Well, this morning we come to our fourth and final message in our series on good sex. It's uh, based on the very beginning when God created man and uh, woman, and he created them sexual beings, and he looked at them in their purity and said, it is good. But we have come a long way since then. It's been twisted and distorted in so many ways, but God still desires that this part of our life as well is a place where he would say it's good. Now, if you, we're going to jump right into our text this morning, so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And I just want to let you know where, we, where we've been while you're turning, Matthew 5. Uh, first week, we looked at uh, sex in marriage. Then uh, two weeks ago, we looked at sex in the single. And then last week, Christopher Yuan was with us talking about uh, homosexuality. And this morning, there was different things we were going to do, but uh, after I in my study, I've decided to focus on probably the greatest obstacle to good sex. And I think we find it here in this text, Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 27. Jesus is preaching. He says, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, what Jesus is mentioning here, well, first of all, you, know, you look at this and you go, you know, this is kind of like what I always thought about Christianity or Christendom. Even you might not say it out loud because you've come to your church your whole life, but in the back of your head, that, you know, it's Christianity is kind of prudish here, kind of legalistic, old-fashioned, traditional. Uh, Jesus obviously has some kind of hang-up on sex. It sure seems that that's what's going on. And it, it, that's our perspective. But let me bounce back for just a second. Colossians 1 says that Jesus doesn't have a hang-up on sex. He created sex. He wasn't called Jesus back then, the second person of the Trinity, when he created. But this was his idea. And when you look at the Bible, how Scripture begins, Genesis chapter 2, if you remember this, God brings Eve to Adam. And Adam, when he sees his wife, they're not no clothing at this point, he is ecstatic. He's, he sings a rapturous love song to her based on their physicality. So the Bible, the way this, the, this book begins, you've got a naked man and a naked woman singing rapturous love songs to each other, excited in the presence of God. That's how the book begins. And, and then it keeps going. You've got the Song of Solomon, an entire book in the Bible that God through His Spirit proclaimed for it to be here that, that honors and celebrates purely marital uh, sexual union. And while the book is not crass, it, it is, handles sex in a sacred way, still make no, no bones about it, it is very graphic in its metaphor of what it's talking about. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, you've got the Apostle Paul commanding husbands and wife uh, to have sex. He says, don't deprive each other. This is a command. It's not an option. And Paul adds a twist to it. He says, it's a duty. It's a responsibility to your spouse. So God is very, very, very good about sex. But, but then in 1 Corinthians 6, 
He says, flee sexual immorality, which means any kind of, of sex outside of the covenant of marriage. And here, what Jesus is letting us know, not that he's anti-sex, sex is wonderful, but there are limitations. That it's great if it's running on the, the, the right track, if it, if, it's, if it stays within the box. In that regard, sex is a wonderful thing. Jesus is just letting us know that there are limitations here. And so he deals with the seventh commandment. You know, you've heard that it said, you know, 1,500 years before this, Moses and God were up on Sinai and God gave them the Ten Commandments. The seventh one was don't commit adultery. That's the one Jesus is referring to. By the way, the uh, don't commit adultery, a, a key part of that command is really to protect the spouse. And you might say, well, hang on, we're consenting adults. It's, if you consented with the other spouses... Well, well, we're single. Well, odds are one day you will have a spouse. And he says that this act is, is for that spouse to share with their husband and wife. And not you, because you're not committed in that covenant marriage. And so you're stealing from that spouse, present or future, what rightfully belongs only to them. And so he says, don't go down that road. And so we might, if we grew up in the church, we'd say, okay, yeah, yeah, physically, I'm not going to be involved with anybody else. And that's where, kind of where we draw the line, if we're really, really good. But uh, Jesus pushes it a little bit further, doesn't he? He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And say, Jesus, Jesus, you're going a little bit too far with this, aren't you? I mean... Looks, we can in the Bible you can exchange the word heart for mind most of the time, and you're and you're fine. Jesus is being a killjoy here, or maybe this, maybe he knows that our mind and our sexuality are so enmeshed that the mind doesn't just influence our sexuality; it directs it, and what's going on in the mind will completely control your sexuality. It'll completely control every aspect of your life. And he knows if you start thinking twisted thoughts sexually, that will come out. Uh, let me just throw, this is kind of a tangent, but let me say this because it's on my heart and I've, I've heard a lot. Sometimes people will say, or they'll begin thinking, I, I wonder if I'm gay. And they'll, they'll, they'll start thinking this. Something has happened and someone has said something to them, whatever else, society's pouring it at them. And they'll really begin to wonder, maybe I am. And as they begin to process that thought, they begin to look back at their past through that filter and they see things that, that I guess maybe I really am. And through that, perhaps they begin to fear. What are people going to say? What are my parents going to say? What's God going to say? And they get nervous. But through all of this, they end up convincing themselves more and more that that's what they really are. You, you need to know. You just need to know on the basis of God's word. You're not gay. You're not. Because God created you. And he would not create you to be something that he said, don't go down that road. We, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that our sexuality is on one level like our money. You can use your money for a, in a way that honors God, that's right. Or you can use your money in a, a wrong way, a devious way. Our, our time, we know this is true, you can use your time in a profitable right way. Or you can use your, your time in a wrong way, your sexuality. You can use it in a right, God-honoring way, or you can use it in a wrong way as well. That, that's, the, that's the challenge 
That's the test. Now, when Jesus talks here, he says, he who looks uh, lustfully at, at a woman, what he's referring to, not, what he's not referring to, is the natural attraction between men and women. He's not re- referring to noticing somebody. He's not referring to seeing something that's paraded before your eyes unsolicited. It's not what he's referring to. The word lustfully is, is uh, often used with idolatry. It's used with greed. He's talking about looking at some image or some person for the purpose of sexual uh, excitement, sexual stimulation. That's what he's referring to, staring, gazing at someone for the purpose of bad thoughts going through your mind. That's what he's talking about here. And probably the greatest uh, aid to us doing that in this day is pornography. And you know as well as I do, uh, on, I mean, soft porn is, is normal and accepted today. It's in advertising. It, it's, it's, you can't get away from that. What was considered hard 25 years ago is soft today, and it's, it's public consumption. Uh, so so what, do you, what do you do with this that's constantly coming at you? The pornography is constantly coming at you. Just a couple of things about this. Chris, if you mentioned last week, remember that, that pornography is a $57 billion business, Right? Uh, greater, uh, greater annual income than all the major league sports combined. Hockey, basketball, football, on and on combined. Uh, one in four, oh, it's estimated 60% of all websites are pornographic. One in four internet searches are for pornography. Uh, pornographic websites are hit three times more than Google, Yahoo, and MSN search combined. Uh, Lugenese, he's a Canadian uh, social scientist, he'd said, this was his words, he said that, that most young boys, by the time they're 10, have sought out and found pornography. 43% of, this is an average week, 43% of the males say they have seen pornography. 9% of the women, and I'm told that's a very conservative number, Sometimes much high, according to who you read, sometimes much higher than that. That's the most conservative number of women in a normal week say, I have sought out pornography. A 60-year-old man has as much chance to seek out pornography online as a college student guy as well. This is not just a, a, a young per- people's issue. It's so devastating that in the U- United Kingdom, the UK, it's illegal to have it available on the internet. Your servers have to block it unless you've requested to have access to that. Porn is poison. It destroys. It destroys. And this is is what we want to just get into our head today, that porn is poison. I know it's all over. I know we live in this world. We have to fight this thing with everything we've got because it kills It kills your intimacy, it kills your sex life, it kills your future marriage or your current marriage. It destroys. Let me mention, I'm not a social scientist, or I'm not not that either, I'm not a neuroscientist, but but, um, how your brain works, real important. I've done a lot of reading this week. Psychologists say that in your brain there is a, what's referred to as a reward pathway. And in this reward pathway, when you do something that promotes life, you are rewarded. Like uh, you eat a good meal, 
Or maybe you've worked hard, you've got a project done, and suddenly you feel good about it. You wonder, why do you feel good about it? Well, there's something that's going on. It's kind of like God's motivation for you and I to do the right thing. So it calls us back. The problem is the reward pathway can be hijacked. Uh, Cocaine, for example. Cocaine and, and all your opioids, they work, uh, what, what they do is, is they mess with this reward pathway. Because at some point when something, do something well, couple different chemicals, dopamine and oxytocin, mostly dopamine, is, is released. And that's a feel-good sor- sort of chemical. Well, cocaine messes with that dopamine level in your reward pathway. So when you partake of cocaine, this is how you get the high great amount of dopamine you, f- you feel wonderful I'm told alright now then guess what else though releases incredible dopamine in your reward pathway in your mind our sexuality sex does and so it's, this is perfect right when you think through in God's mind you got a husband and a wife and the only time they're going to feel that high is when they're together intimately that's the only place they will get it that will drive them that bonds them together but it drives them together and it gives them the strength to stay together when all the other things are coming at them it's powerful but what pornography does when you are viewing pornography is the dopamine levels are high But there's no bonding. What you're doing is you are training your brain that sex is just about the physical. It's not about, it's not about emotional intimacy. And that's so much not what it, what God created to be. Internet sex is everything scripture says sex is not. And so when you go down that road, you are training your mind to behave in a certain way towards your sexuality. Now, a great study, um, Eric Kakunas and Ray over from Australia. They did this study, fascinating study, not a Christian study. They took a bunch of men and they subjected them to pornography. And as they did, they rated their responses. And so the first time the men saw this pornographic image, as you might imagine, high, high excitement status, way up there. But then what they did is they would bring back that same picture to the men over and over again. And every subsequent picture, every, every, every time after this that they saw the image again, their excitement level dropped. Until the time they had seen this thing 15 times, you know, they weren't getting excited at all. And then what the uh, research, research scientists did is they showed them a new picture, new person, new things. And suddenly, as you can imagine, bam, it spikes their, their uh, excitement again. This is called the Coolidge effect. And what it's telling us is that Often you need multiple uh, partners, multiple pictures, because, because if you start going down this road, then you need more to excite. Uh, chronic dopamine in your mind, what it does is it burns out the receptors so that you need more, something more exciting, something new, something more novel to reach the exact same high you had before. You can see with, with, with pornography, this can create an incredible... Um, thirst to keep going on. It has to be harder. It has to be more. I have to have more of it. Uh, what this... It, it, let me mention this. There was a, a research study done on rats. And of course, there's no rat pornography. So what, do you, so what they did is they put electrodes into the rat's limbic system in their, in their brain. And when the, the rat would step on a, level, a lever, you'd get like a wow zap. You know? You'd get that high. Well, what the rats ended up doing is just standing there, stepping on that lever. 
They quit eating. They quit drinking. They quit mating, just stepping on that lever. In time, all the rats died of starvation and exhaustion. They just burned their minds out. So, so when somebody is, is addicted to pornography in this way, where they, just, they are burning their mind out in, in this way, this is referred to, even in pornography, as addiction. Listen, listen. Um, chronic and intense dopamine levels can trigger a molecular switch in the brain, creating a cycle of binging and craving. Same way cocaine does. It, it creates three things. Numbed pleasure response. In other words, again, what used to give me pleasure doesn't give me pleasure anymore. That's, that's been numbed. I, I have to have more. Hyper-reactivity to pornography. In other words, when I see it, I keep getting that hyper-dopamine spike. I've got to have more and more. Willpower erosion, which is that hyperthalamus, which is like the CEO of the brain, just quits, quits goes on vacation. And suddenly I have no more willpower. That is referred to as addiction. There's a Dutch study uh, listed in the Cyber Psychological Behavior magazine, February 2009. And they say this, of all the internet behaviors, pornography has the greatest potential for addiction. According to American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM, they say this, and I'm quoting, so listen for a second. All addictions, drug or behavioral, share the same neurological Underpinnings. They all work through that, that reward pathway. Addiction is one disease. They used to think there are lots of different type of addictions, that those things just affected your body differently. Ultimately, they all go to the same place. And then I, I'm quoting, sexual behavior addictions are as real as drug addictions. I had a good friend. Uh, he had a, uh, didn't come to know Christ until his second, third year in college, but he was steeped in pornography in his high school days. Uh, got to college lived it out, came to know Christ, second, third year, and was radically changed, except this part of him. He had a hard time dealing with this. Now, he graduated from college, and his goal was to be a missionary, and so he applied to the mission board. They interviewed him, and they asked him about this issue, pornography. And he said, well, I'm pretty good. I'll go two or three months, and then I'll fall and then I'll, I'll go a while, I'll feel guilty and pray, and then I'll go a while, and then I'll fall. And that's, they said, that's, uh, we understand, come back in two years. And when you've been clean for two years, we can talk. When I met him, he was 50 years old. He was still hoping to get to the mission field one day. He had not been able to go two years being clean. This thing had gripped him so deeply. It had rewired his brain to the point that he needed it. Um, this is how to tell if you're addicted. They call it the four C's. Inability to control use. Compulsion to use. You, you feel like you cannot not use. Of course, you have to use. You, you, you're driven. This is just, you have to do this. Continued use despite adverse consequences. You know this isn't the best thing. You know where it could lead. It doesn't matter. You have to use anyway. And craving, even when you're not using, you're thinking about, you're dreaming about it. That is addiction. So let me just ask. Don't have to answer. No show of hands. Pornography, does it have that kind of a control in you? Does it have that kind of a, a, a place in your heart, a, a secret in your heart? All the brain research that I can find that is out there currently points in one direction. Sexual novelty on a click leads to addiction. It rewires the brain. It rewires the brain. Okay, what are the effects of this? Well, Scripture. Uh, 29. It says, if your right eye causes you to stumble... 
gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. This, this letting my mind go in this, against what Christ has said, go in this arena, go in this area, just, just pull the stops, let it go. Uh, Jesus says will result in a hellish life, both here and in the one to come. It will result in destroyed intimacy with your spouse. It's been researched that males who are, who are heavily involved in pornography have a loss of libido with their spouse because it's kind of boring. It's, just, it's not as exciting as on the screen. It, it makes you sexually lazy. You, you, you get to a point where you say, you know what, I, I can be sexually fulfilled without the messiness of relationship, without the emotions, without the... You know, sometimes if you're together with your spouse, things may be put on the table. Discussion happens. And you start going, oh, great, I didn't know about this. And, and you know what? Here's the deal. It is hard. The way God created sex, it is difficult to, to participate in a healthy way with, without being perfectly vulnerable. You are physically vulnerable. God's goal is that you are vulnerable on all levels. So it's natural for things to be put on the table at that point. But, but when we, we shy away, perhaps we are missing what God wants to teach us. We would not listen to this in any other way. We don't want to hear it. But God is trying to get our attention and say, you need to work on this, buddy. But we become sexually lazy. We stand back. It destroys emotional intimacy. Again, uh, with the screen, I really can't have emotional intimacy, and I've trained myself to believe that sex is just physical intimacy. I don't even know how anymore because my brain is rewired. I can't have that connection with my spouse. On one level, I might not be able to have that connection with anybody. Porn causes you to have unrealistic expectations, both of your spouse and of sex. And so when your spouse is not able to do what the person on the screen is able to do, you know what? They've got a problem. They've got an issue. They've got some hang-ups. They've got... The expectations are unbiblical. They're wrong. Uh, Five, erectile dysfunction, ED. Uh, There's a survey, Italian uh, uh, Society for Andrology and Sexual Medicine, February 2011. They say this, quote, Internet porn is killing young men's sexual performance. Because isn't it, isn't it so ironic that this thing that, that was supposed to enhance and, and, and create a wonderful sexual experience in the end destroys it? Maybe this is why Jesus said, don't go down that way. Your mind, above all things, guard your heart, guard your mind, for it is the wellspring of life. Don't go, guard it. Don't go down that road. I don't think Jesus is trying to be prude. He said, I've come that you might have life. And you might have it abundantly, even in this area. That you might experience this all of what it's supposed to be. But I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, if you go down this road, it will destroy. Because porn is poison. It will destroy. And then spiritually, I think it's interesting that Jesus refers to one of the consequences of this as hell. Hell is separation from God. And so many folk think, well, I can have the rest of my life together, but this one little area, it's, it's, the rest, see, the Lord is over the rest of my life, but this one area, ah, he's not really the Lord over, at least not all the time. Sometimes he might be, but not most of the time he's, he's not. 
folk think. I can walk holding Jesus in one hand and porn in the other and things will be fine. Uh, He's just telling us, you can't do that. And again, this isn't about I'm struggling with porn right now. This is, I know what the Bible says, I'm going to do this anyway. That kind of a mindset, you have to step back and say, maybe they're a believer, uh, maybe not. Someone who says, I really want to honor God, I'm just struggling. Kind of a different deal. But we need to know that unless we let go of porn and clasp onto Jesus with both hands, we'll never know him like we could. We'll never be as effective for him as we could be. We'll never understand the, the, the joy of knowing God. Well, matter of fact, if we're hanging on to both of these, we're going, God's not that good. There's a problem here. I don't understand. Well, the problem is there's sin in the camp. And you can't know him if, in fact, that's going on. Now, now, porn as poison will destroy all aspects of our life, and the consequences, I think, go way beyond what we even can imagine. We want to check out a, a short video clip. Uh, so let's just watch this for just a moment. When you see that, don't you wonder how many people, how much hurt, how much pain does not have to have been there if folk would have come to know Christ, understood what he said, and took him at his word, it would not have had to be there. Now, the pornography can have all kinds of effect on us, some of which has not been studied. There is hope, though, because even though it can rewire your brain, your brain is flexible. It's plastic, they, they call it. So it can be reoriented. It can be rewired as, as well. Uh, listen to this testimony. He says, I've been to psychologists and psychiatrists for the last eight years and have been diagnosed with depression, severe social anxiety, severe memory impairment, and a few other things. I've tried Ritalin, Xanax, Paxil, dropped out of two different colleges, been fired from two jobs, used pot to calm my social anxiety. I've been approached by quite a few women, I guess due to my looks and status, but they quickly flew away due to my incredible weirdness. I've been a hardcore porn addict since age 14. For the last two years, I've been experimenting and finally realized porn was an issue. I stopped completely two months ago. It has been very difficult, but so far incredibly worth it. I've since quit my remaining medication. My anxiety is non-existent. My memory and focus are sharper than they've ever been. I feel like a huge chick magnet. There you go. And my ED is gone too. I seriously think I had a rebirth, a second chance at life. Well, how do you overcome? How do you get out of this if you're trapped into it? Verses 28 through 30. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Or it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Here we, we see four mindsets that you have to have for recovery. Okay, Four, four mindsets that are, are, are for recovery, if you look, look at it. First thing is that this life isn't all there is. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? He says, you sacrifice what you need to hear for there. In other words, he says, live for that day, not today. This is like practice. But the game is coming. Game doesn't start until practice is done. But don't sink the game because of of practice. There is more than this life. Live for that day, not today. Second thing, when he says, cut off your hand, I think that is the nothing in this life is worth damning or dooming my future. The right hand was a sign of uh, power and authority and control and strength. And Jesus says, the most important thing you've got, if that's what the problem is, 
cut it off. Nothing, nothing that we're involved with down here should be so significant, so important that I can't sacrifice it for my, my eternity. The third thing we see is that sin is very powerful and destructive. The fourth thing is, is that drastic measures are required. You might say, well, drastic measures are required. How drastic? Well, it's really how bad you want to avoid, get out of, uh, get away from. Uh, several different steps. Uh, the first one is accountability. Uh, Perry Noble, he's a pastor at Life, I think it's Life Spring Church in South Carolina. Pretty big church, 35,000 on the weekend with 7,200 online. Big place. Perry said that when he was a kid, 14 years old, they got satellite television. You know, hundreds and hundreds of channels. Even porn channels. And that's when he started his diet on pornography. Didn't see anything really wrong with it, but realized as time got older, as he got older, that he needed to get out of this. This wasn't right, but it didn't go away so easy. When the internet was introduced to him in 96, he said, oh my goodness. So I just started doing research initially, but boy, I got, I got back in very, very, very heavy. And he said, I would pray that God would take the pornography away from me, that God would help me not want it anymore, all those kind of things. But that was to no avail until he finally said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of this. And he says the most important thing he did was, was find an accountability partner. This is how he refers to this. He says, says, I'm not talking about finding someone who has the same problem as you and you both confessing that you messed up that week and you're feeling okay because you're not the only one to sin. I'm challenging you to find someone who does not struggle with the problem and ask them to get in your face. One of my best friends, Clayton King, and I made a pact. If he or I view porn, we have to write the other person a check for $1,000. It might not work for you, but there have been times when I've been tempted and thought about my checkbook. Uh, accountability, whatever that, that takes, whoever that might be in, in your life, perhaps you need to seek somebody out. Um, second thing is get away from the web. And I know, I know, I know, I know that, that that's... What are you talking about? It's impossible. So much of our work is, is internet-related these days. Our communication is internet-related. I can't just unplug this thing. I, gotta, I will be fired. I'll lose my family. I, have to, I can't just do that. How about this? Get away from the web unsupervised. You can't do that. That's not, that's not difficult. No, that's another... And there's no real reason for you not to. Chris mentioned a couple of sites last week that will help. He mentioned Canine. We've used Canine at my home. Uh, it's free. It's a filtering device. And what it does is it uh, allows you to uh, stop different sites. They, they can't even get through. Uh, also, X3 Watch. We use that here in church. All of our computers are on that, which doesn't filter. But what it does is anytime it detects you going to a, a questionable website, it sends that report to somebody else so they'll know where you've been. Guys, you can get that and have it go to your, your, your wife. Women, you can sign up for this one and have it go to your husband. Have them be your accountability partner. Let me mention just a couple other resources here. Uh, books. Samson and the Pirate Monks. You know, this is one of the funnest... I think every guy should read that. I would think that if I was king of the day, and I'm really not, uh, if, but if I was, I would say, you want to be a guy coming to this church, you've got to read this book. Excellent, excellent book. Let me encourage you, grab this, Samson and the Pirate Monks. You won't put it down. Primary way this pastor got over his addiction to 
uh, pornography, and one in four pastors, statistics say, are addicted to pornography. The way he got over it was primarily accountability. Then Every Man's Battle by Stephen Arterburn, excellent book. Uh, the third thing is to do something. Notice Jesus didn't say you're struggling. Well, just pray. Now, you need to pray, but you need to do something. Let's just say that you're sitting somewhere and so, you're not interested in the pornography thing, but thoughts kick into your mind and your mind starts going the wrong place. You can sit there and just try to fight it. You will probably lose. We're told flee immorality. And so this is the time to just get up and do something. Clean the garage, do the dishes, work on your homework, do uh, practice the piano, whatever, but do something. Uh, also, what you can do is, is to, next step, to fill your mind with, with right things, is, is memorize God's word. This is why he's given us his word, that it might renew our mind. And when we soak on it, when we focus on it, it's incredibly beneficial. Think on right things. Starting in the fall, again, we'll offer a men's fraternity. Men's fraternity is not about pornography, but what it is about is helping men understand what it means to be a biblical man, what God's design is for you in all areas of life. As you put those things into your mind, as you put God's word into your mind, the uh, temptation to, to fall in this regard is a whole lot, whole lot less. Um, if you find yourself mind drifting, use that as a trigger. This has been helpful for me. Good thing. If you mind, find your mind starting to go, you start praying for the person. The person on the screen, you know what? That's somebody's daughter. You, know, you want people thinking about your daughter that way. Pray for them, their soul. They're going to end up in heaven or hell one day. They're going to experience heaven or hell on this life. You're praying for them. You pray for your spouse. You let it be a trigger to say, God, how can I have a godlier marriage? What can I do? You let, it, you let this be a trigger for you into action. God, how can I communicate to my spouse today that I love them? Or, God, my spouse, he's got a birthday coming up. How can I really make that special? Or, God, my, my anniversary is coming up. How can I really show my wife that I really love her? Every time these thoughts kick in your mind, use it as a trigger for something positive, if you just sit there and try to fight it, you just lose. Trying to tell yourself, I'm not going to think that, I'm not going to think that, I'm not going to think, just does not work. And then uh, finally, just get help. Get help. Let me mention a couple of web pages. These are good for guys or gals. Uh, XXXChurch.com. They have got, this is designed for those who are really struggling with pornography, trying to get out of this. I'm not sure how. Great resources there. Also, fightthenewdrug.com. Same thing. Great resources there. And let me encourage you on this. If down this week, whatever, you start thinking and you say, you know, I could use some of those resources for this friend of mine, not a big deal. Uh, email me. I'll get them to you. I will never say another word about it. Confidential. But these are great places that will help. Get help. Um, ultimately, the start to any recovery is Jesus. And that's really this whole, whole good sex series. And I think you can, almost, every, any, almost any area of life has to start and end with Christ. In John chapter 4, you remember the story? Jesus and this gal are at the well. No one's around, just Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And Jesus is talking to her and Jesus says, go call your husband. She says, I don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, oh yeah, that's right. You've had five, and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. Well, the dialogue continues on. 
And then if you were to stop after it was done and debrief the dialogue, what, what you'd get is Jesus looking at this gal saying, listen, you are looking for meaning in life, in your relationships, in your sexuality. And you go through one after the other looking for it. And you know what? It's not there. So you try someone else. And that one doesn't work. So you try someone else. You will go five, six, seven, ten, fifteen, because you'll never find it. Because relationships are good. I, I, that was my idea. It's a good thing. But they can never be elevated beyond your relationship with me. When you try to make that relationship human relationship act as God it's always going to fail your sexuality if you're looking for fulfillment in that and purpose and meaning in life in that it will fail you but my design is that you would have it good but it's got to start with relationship with me so let me, let me ask just put this out your relationship with Christ first of all do you, do you, do you know him that's where it starts have you ever come to a place where you've given your life to Christ in all areas, all levels, surrendered it to him? How about this, Christian? Is Christ Lord of your sexuality? It's easy to say he's Lord of this and that and the other thing. Well, forget those for a minute. Or he's Lord of my life. That's too general and generic. It's sexuality. Is he Lord in this part of your life? Not sometimes. Is he Lord of this part of your life? He deeply desires that. And he says, when it comes to that point, lady at the well, when you come to me, regardless of where you've been searching, you know what? Forgiveness and, and, and peace and restoration and ultimately recovery if you try, because he's going to give us the tools in his Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me?